Hallelujah. Well, this morning, we're going to begin something brand new. We're going to lay a foundation, begin laying a foundation for a move of God in El Dorado County. Amen. Amen. I mean that in a serious way, because God wants the church to be more than just people that gather together and just have a few moments together. We're supposed to be the living body of Christ in the earth. Amen. And there's things that we're supposed to be expecting. So did you bring your Bibles this morning? All right, let's make our declaration. Are you ready? Say it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, we thank you for the living seed of your word planted into our lives that produces your life in us. And we say yes to your word in every way. In Jesus' name. And somebody said... Praise the Lord. Um, this morning, your outline is just a, an excerpt out of what we hope to have uh, uh, completed a little bit more by next week and to have these ready. But I'm putting together a whole series on this, and we're going to take as much time as needed just to bring clarity and understanding. So these will be available next week. I have about 22 pages of it drafted already and probably be about 80 pages by the time we're done into somewhat of a book form. But uh, in the early... Uh, 70s, our pastor, my pastor, Dave Hood in New Life Assembly in Marysville, uh, began to just seek the Lord about the Holy Spirit, about what the church is really supposed to be. And so God began to lead him in some clarity and understanding. He was an amazing Bible teacher. He was my pastor for 34 years of, of my life in ministry. And uh, so I would glean, and I don't know that I got, uh, it probably got passed down a little bit, but I started doing written outlines that we hand out like you have today back at the, at the turn of the century in 2000. I actually started printing those and handing out. So 21 years now we've been handing out outlines in our services and that. But Brotherhood always taught with outlines and that. And so I collected those over the years and I have those and they've been a great foundation in my life. And I've taught those and used those, expanded on those. And so part of this lesson is just in honor to him, but also in what I really feel the Spirit of God saying to us. And it's important to understand that the church is a living body. It's not just an organization. The church is the living body of Christ. And in the beginning, God formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed his breath into the body that he formed. And his breath breathed into that body that he formed became a living being. And we call, that's how we became man. Man became a living being when God breathed his life into the body that he formed. On the day of Pentecost, God formed another body called the church. And he breathed his life into that body, and it became a living being. The church is the living body of Christ in the earth. We are the living body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body, and we are to be alive with his spirit. And one of the greatest areas of, of lack of understanding is around the person of the Holy Spirit. Understanding the Holy Spirit. We talk about Him, we hear about Him a lot, but we have very little clarity of understanding about the Holy Spirit. So this morning, you have an outline. I'm going to try and get to that part, but let me just do this. This is the Sunday. We're celebrating the Sunday after resurrection. And the Sunday after resurrection, in the time after the resurrection, following the resurrection, the church was not told to go back to life as normal. It wasn't for the disciples to go back and just live their life as they had before they met Jesus. Okay, well, I met Jesus. And many times this is what happens to Christianity. Why do people lose their interest in serving the Lord and living for God? Because living for God is life in the Spirit. It's not just normal. It's not just getting some forgiveness and just tacking that on and getting my forgiveness ribbon. Hallelujah. And, and I'll just give it to you like this. Nobody's going to part heaven with a participation ribbon. Amen. God has a little stricter curve than that. Amen. Just participating in church, just showing up, doesn't mean you go. You're supposed to be alive in God. Amen? And if we have His life, then we have the Spirit of God on the inside of it. And so learning all this. So we want to begin learning how to walk and seek out the power of God, which has been made available to us. There's more powerful made available to us. It's sad when we don't live and use what's been made available to us. 
Amen. It's like having all the tools available to you, but then using a rock to drive a nail. Well, they got a hammer over there. Yeah, but this rock was closed. I'll just use it instead. So, but we, we want to use the tools that are available to us. Amen? And so this next few series, we're just going to be teaching. And teaching is what we need. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. Disciples are people who have been taught and instructed in kingdom principles. Today, we want preaching that makes me feel good. Jesus wants teaching that makes you strong and secure in who you are. Amen. And knowing how to operate. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the synagogues and villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Colossians 1 and verse 13 says this, that when you got saved, God brought you out from the kingdom of darkness. Before you came to Christ, you were in the kingdom of darkness. Now you've been brought out of that kingdom, and you've been brought into the kingdom of His Son. And kingdoms have rules of operation. And if I'm going to operate in the kingdom, I'm going to have to know how the kingdom works. This is a spiritual kingdom. There's nothing natural about the kingdom of God. And so you can't have a natural mindset and operate in the kingdom. You have to have your mind renewed. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't don't think about God the way you think about the world. The reason we don't come into clarity of understanding with God is we try to figure him out with a natural mind and spiritual things are not naturally discerned. They are spiritually discerned. So God does this. He always speaks to your spirit. When you accept Christ as your Savior, your spirit is made alive unto God. And from that moment on, God talks to your belly. He doesn't talk to your head. Because talking to your head scares God. He sees everything in there. He goes, that's too big of a job even for me to tackle. So the best thing I can do is give them, instead of trying to change their mind, this is what I will do. I will give them the mind of Christ. So God says, I'm not going to fix your mind. I'm going to give you my mind. And so we have to learn how to accept his mind in our life. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. But as I said, this a convert is somebody, and the church has done this. We've been satisfied to make converts, but Jesus told us to make disciples. And so if we have crusades, we have things. God wants people to be saved. He wants them coming to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and doing that. But just being saved is not enough. It's not enough just to pray the prayer with somebody to bring them to Christ. It's more important to bring them into the fullness of a living relationship with their Heavenly Father. Could you say amen? And so that's what we're after. And so disciples are taught the things of the kingdom and how to walk in that. And let me just give you this as you're turning there to 1 Corinthians. Is that when Jesus in Matthew 21, when he came after his triumphant entry and he came into the temple, the first thing he did is he drove out the money changers and the things that weren't supposed to be in the house of God. He brought his house back to a house of purity. And then it became a house of prayer And then it was restored to a house of power and then a house of praise. So there was purity, there was prayer, there was power, and there was praise. Amen. And that's what God ordained the church to be. (coughs) Excuse me, to be a place of purity where we're continually putting off the old and putting on the new. Amen. Not making excuses for the old. But being transformed, putting off the old things, not allowing the wrong things to enter into our life, and then being a people of prayer. When you're in prayer, God communicates with you. When you communicate with God, He communicates with you. Can you say amen? And so He communicates with And then after that, God's power begins to show up. God has always wanted His church to be a church of power. Not a powerless church, but a church filled with this power. And when the power of God shows up, how many know praise just shows up? Amen. And so that's what we're after. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Now, I want you to get this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is what? Is what? Is what? Now, watch this. To who? To what? To each one. Just look at your neighbor and say, that means you. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. 
Every person is given the ability by God. God is no respecter of person. It's his heart, his desire for every born again Christian to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The life of the Spirit is given to each one for what purpose? For the profit of all. So God comes to put something in you that makes you a benefit to somebody else. Here's what churches digress to. We want somebody to have something to give to us instead of understanding that we come with something to give to others. Paul says like this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, how is it when you come together, each one of you has something to give? So Christianity, my life in Christ is transformed when I know that I'm called not to just to be a financial giver, not to just help in these areas, but I also have to bring a supply of the Spirit to others. That God wants to flow through our lives and bring a supply, not just when we gather, but when we're walking through our community, when we're on our job, that we become people of the Spirit. We're aware of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are the greatest tool for evangelism that God has given to the church. And so they're the tools that God's given us for building the kingdom. Look what he said. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of Spirit. To another, different kinds of tongue. And to another, the interpretation of tongue. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to who? Each one, one individually. The original translation says severally as he wills. And so what we want to do is clear up a lot, of, a lot of misunderstanding, maybe a lot of inappropriate teaching around the Holy Spirit. Now let me just put it to you like this. How many know that Jesus right now is seated by the right hand of the Father in heaven? The Bible tells you Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father and he's ever living to make intercession for you. Right now Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding for the church, for the body of Christ. He's praying. He's your advocate. 1 John 2 tells us if we stumble, if we trip, if we fall, if we make a mistake, that Jesus is our advocate. He's our lawyer. He's our representative before the Father. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us, and we stay on the right track. Amen? So the, but we know that the Father and the Son are where? In heaven. So how is God expressing Himself in the earth right now? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's chosen expression of himself in the earth. Now let me help you. The devil understands this better than the church does. This is the only problem. The devil knows the Bible better than the church. And he uses it to hamper the church. He uses what he knows and he teaches us. how, to, how He knows how to divide people with the word. And to get them more. The church is more divided over scripture than they are over sin. I'm serious. People can agree on all kinds of sin. Well, I don't think that's so bad. I'll do that. I'll do that too. Hey, according to God. Amen. Do you pray in tongues? No. Do that Holy Ghost stuff. Amen. So let's go back to this. The foundation of this lesson is in honor of my pastor. But it's also in what he's instilled in our life. And the Lord's talking to us. When we, God, launch us into ministry, it's around this. And our church has always been strongest. We've always had the greatest effect of what God's called us to do when we focused on being people of the Spirit. And allowing God to use us and raising up people to know how to walk in and live by the Spirit. And so we're going to be teaching on God's power manifest through spiritual gifts. God has given to every man the right, the ability, and has declared that each one of us. It comes down now to me as an individual. This is what we don't like. We don't like individual accountability. We like to put it over onto God, onto somebody else. We like to make, put everything in the realm of God's sovereignty. The God's sovereign. So as soon as God moves, then everything will work on my behalf. God has already moved. He's waiting for us to move. He's waiting for you to move. God's already moved on everything he's going to do on our behalf. He's given us all the power, given us all the authority. We're supposed to be walking in this. Well, wait a minute. That puts responsibility on me. Yes, amen. 
We've been made responsible to be the body of Christ in the earth, manifesting his life, his power, and his presence to those around us. So I'm just giving you, I'm working my way towards your outline, so stay with me. (laughs) For any church today to operate in simply and yet as powerfully as the early church operated, it almost seems to be impossible. When you read the, look at, what's it, the book of Acts is called what? It, the book of Acts is called the book of Acts. <laughs> Not just the book of words. The church has become the church of words with very few acts. We talk about stuff. It's like John Wimber when he got saved. He wanted to see the stuff. Launch a vineyard movement. He got saved, started reading the Bible, started seeing about miracles and everything happened in the Bible. So he went to church. <coughs> and one of the guys walking by had the coat, had a little badge on, said usher and stuff. So he pulled on his coat and said, hey, hey, hey. Cool church you got here. When do you do the stuff? When are you guys going to do the stuff? <clears throat> he said, well, well, what do you mean by the stuff? You, you know, the, 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 the blind eyes being opened, the lame walking, and, the, and, 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 and all that stuff. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. <clears throat> uh, we believe in the stuff. We talk about the stuff. We just don't do the stuff. <laughs> Amen. So he started seeking God. Say, God, if you're real today, then you want the same stuff happening in the church today as you did in the book of Acts, and from that, that, that nothing has changed. If we are still the church, and God has set in the church His gifts, His ministry, and the life of His Spirit, then the church is supposed to be a church with the life of God and the power of God being made manifest. We should be a people who expect miracles every time we come together. Amen? That's what God has for the church. So think about it. The early church had no buildings, no Bibles, no Sunday schools, no boys and girls club. Think about what people look for in church today. Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? Do you have that? Well, we have everything that the Bible says we're supposed to have. But now you still have to have, do you have comfortable chair? Do you have heated seat? Do you have <laughs> Will the new toilet seats be pre-warmed? Do you have kids ministry? Do you have youth ministry? Do you have this ministry? Do you have that? Do you have this? Do you have that? And so the church, the church, especially in America, has been reduced to a consumer mentality. And so we're coming for what the church does for me, not for what I bring into the body of Christ. Can you say amen? And so how do we break out of that? So they had no songbooks, no Bible school, no stained glass, no instruments, no band. The early church had no band. Most people won't go to church unless there's a band. In fact, unless you have the coolest band ever, you can't have much of a church. Church is built more around a band than it is around the Word. And when our pastor began to get a revelation on this, he began to teach the only reason for the band or for the minstrel, the purpose of the minstrel was to release the prophetic. When the prophet said, when Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet who can come? And so, and so they called for the prophet. And the prophet said, bring me a minstrel. And as the minstrel played, the anointing of the minstrel releases the prophetic. The, the minstrel and music was never for the purpose of entertainment. It wasn't for the purpose of giving you a feeling. It was for the purpose of ushering in the presence of God and to release a prophetic word of God that needs to be heard in the hour that you are in because just a song won't give you victory over the army that is mounting up against you. You need the word of the Lord on what to do. Amen. And so the church has to move to that area. But so the church has nothing that we think that is there. They didn't have professional ministers. They didn't have publishing houses. They didn't have lights, cameras, smoke, technology, ad infinitum. But the Bible says that they turned their world upside down. And I believe that we are living in a day and in an hour when God's ready to turn the world upside down again. He just needs a body of people who want to learn how to be people of the Spirit again. 
and how to walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, when he was crucified, it left his followers empty. They had nothing on their own to give or to minister. They returned to their net. They returned to their old occupations and lifestyle, doing what comes naturally. When you get saved, I'm not just supposed to go home and do what comes naturally. I'm supposed to learn how to enter in and walk in this life in the Spirit with God. Amen. That's what we're called to do. Resurrection of Christ was a startling event. He told them in advance that it was expedient for him to go away so the Comforter would come. After appearing to them, his, he instructs them to go into Terry and Jerusalem until the promise of the Comforter would come. See, the one who had been with them and had been in them is now going to come upon them and manifest his power through their life. With this new restore. If you have your Bibles. Go to Acts chapter 3. We'll get to the first part of your outline in a minute. Amen. I'm skipping through this introduction. And we'll have these available for you next week. So what did the early church have? Actually if you read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. It reads like a mystery to the modern church. And even to most Pentecostal churches. So we ask ourselves, when was the last time we experienced anything that resembles what we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14? Quite a while. Amen. But that the only instruction for what's supposed to happen in church, really, the only instruction for a New Testament church service is 1 Corinthians 14. Amen. That there will be tongues, interpretation, prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, things be given. That there would be a flow of the life of the Spirit in the body of Christ when it came together. The body of Christ would assemble. And when believers come together and they assemble together, Ephesians 2 says that, that we, we assemble ourselves together and we become a dwelling place for the habitation of God by His Spirit. We assemble and then God fills his body with the spirit with manifest presence. So that when you, you come in, everything may not be in order. It may not be right. But you know the presence of God is in the house. And when we do that, something happens when you have the presence of God enter into a building. It does something that leaves a residue. Amen. Several years ago, we, we, we had a, a, an Indian church that asked if they could use our sanctuary. Pastor George and his lovely wife down in Sacramento, they need a baptism. So we set up our baptism. They did baptism. I said, but we like to eat after our services. So we set up tables back there and they ate. And they had this wonderful curry food in there. And after they had been here, you came in for the next three days and you smelt their presence. <laughs> it was odd. You couldn't walk in here without getting hungry. It was awesome. But that's what happens when the presence of God enters a place. It leaves a residue of his presence and awareness that God has been in that house. And that's what church is supposed to be. Yes, we want nice. We want to represent God. We want to honor God in all that we do. But more than anything else, we need his presence. And his presence doesn't come through just one man. The biggest mistake that the church has made is they've relinquished everything over to one man. And it was never meant to be relinquished over to one man. It was relinquished over to the one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the body that makes up the one man in the earth. Are you doing all right? So my part is to inspire, to encourage, to, to empower you to press in. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for all, just asked for money, asked for natural help. That's what we've become. The, the church has been reduced down to become another social society. We've become just like our government. We think the church is supposed to house the homeless, feed the homeless, care for the homeless, do this, do this for the poor, have this for the poor. So we're doing social services. But where's the power of the life of God? We're supposed to do those things. You're supposed to care for the poor, minister to the poor, do all that. But not as a substitute or a replacement for the power of God. Love people, minister to people, care for need, but never give up the power of God. So look at them. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention and expecting to receive something from them. Listen to what Peter said. 
Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who had been begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. And thousands of people got saved because one man allowed the power of the life of the Holy Spirit to walk through his life. What would happen if one man and one woman and one man and one woman began to believe, I have something in me that came from God. God has given his spirit to me and his life is in me. And I have it in such a way I can give it away. Think about what we've done. And I don't mind it. I love going to conferences. I love going to conventions. But we've turned Christianity into celebrityism. Where we think we have to go where this guy is, where that guy is. They're supposed to be prophets. They're supposed to be evangelists. They're supposed to be people that are right here in the local body. The local church is supposed to have everything that people are trying to go get someplace else. Glory to God. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So watch this. As a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter now has spiritual gifts operating through his life. Such as I have, we read it, to everyone has been given. Something happens when my Christianity goes beyond. I, do your daily devotional. I do mine. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. But after that, say, God, I want to be used by you. Lord, I want to know you. I, don't want, I just don't want to know about you. I just want to listen to you. I, I, I don't want this outside. I want this living flow of your life through my life knowing you want to touch somebody through me. You want to heal somebody through me. Amen. One of the saddest things is when people think that I have a greater access to God than they do. Pastor, can you pray? I know God hears you. Why he hears you? Just the same. There, there, there's, no, there, there, there's no hierarchy in God. Are you doing all right? There's nothing there. So something happens. So let me give you this. And, and I don't have time to go through all this. But just look at your outline just for a moment. I got like 12 minutes. So watch it. No way. We'll take odds right now. Let me ask you. The, let, let, I'm going to ask you a question. Let me ask you. What is it that makes the church unique from anything else in the earth? The Holy Spirit. God's life in us. Without the Spirit of God, we're no different than, I don't mean this negatively, you're no different than the Lions Club, the Elks Club, any other club. You're no different than the Shriners, do whatever, do, do, you do good works. But they're no different than just a natural gathering of people doing nice stuff. But with the Spirit of God, there's something different. The life of God. And the Spirit of God, the way you know you have God's life, is God is a God of a voice. How do you know He's the living God? God would always challenge people in what they were worshiping is go get your dumb idol to talk to you. If it can't talk, if it can't reveal, if it can't make known, why would you listen to something and worship something that has no voice into your life? Amen? And so, but we are people of the voice. And what God did is he brought us back to a place where we are now able to walk in fellowship with God because we are no longer naked and afraid, as we preached you last year. We're no longer hiding in the garden. We're no longer naked. We are now clothed with the righteousness of God and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're brought into a relationship and we can walk in fellowship with God. We can hear his voice and communicate with him. We have been restored to be people of the voice. Can you say amen? 
And even that's what Jesus said. To our God has a voice. And he says this. Jesus said in John 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For listen, for he will not speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit is coming, and he's not going to speak on his own authority. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit has to have a voice in the church. He has, a, he has an audible voice. God wants his audible voice in his church. How does his audible voice work? It works through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, discerning the spirit, faith, healing, miracle. God says, somebody, God gives people a word. He brings that instruction. He brings that prophetic word. And we have God's voice. And we go, well, how can that be God? Because God flows through people. And when he flows through people and does things that people can't do, he gets the glory. Amen. He does it in such a way that, that, that man can't even touch it or do it. Go, that has to be God. How did you know that? How did that happen? Amen. It's God. Amen. So think about it. We're talking about God's kingdom. So here we are on your outline. Let's start there. So God has a plan for redemption in the Bible that is twofold. To the Jews, which is God's work amongst nations, this is just a quick overview. The Jews, by Abraham, received it by faith. It was an earthly promise to their land. I will lead you into the land, he said to Abraham, that I'm giving you. And the Jews, I've given a promise of an earthly kingdom. Every promise to the Jews in Israel is earthly. If you read and study your Bible, you find every promise to Israel has to do with the land and a kingdom here on earth. They are fighting for their land, and the promise to all exiles is a return to their land and for Messiah to reign. Now hear me this morning. There's a clear distinction made in Scripture between Israel and the church that gets lost in some of the kingdom teaching in our day. Christianity, there's a teaching out there called replacement theology. And it says that the church has replaced Israel, and it's in complete error scripturally. The church has not replaced Israel. The church exists to show and reveal and make known the kingdom of God, not to build it on the earth. We are here to reveal the kingdom of God, not to build it on the earth. Are you doing all right? Israel has earthly promises, but watch, to the church, the church is to the lost. It is made up of those who accept Christ and are brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. They are now placed in the church. Every promise to the church. When you read the New Testament, every promise to a believer, what did Jesus say? I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be with me. Every promise to the church is heavenly. Every promise to Israel is earthly. So it's important to know. So we're focusing on the now of redemption. It's important to know that both plans are running parallel. I shared this with you a couple of years ago. Like train tracks in the purpose of God, leading to God's expected end. Confusion happens when we cross the track or think that the two have now become one or that one track has replaced the other. I put it like that. The, 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 the purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God, is like a train running on a set of parallel track. Israel and the church, the two covenant of Israel and the church. God is fulfilling them both in parallel fashion. Doing all right? But if you make those two into a monorail, you derail the whole thing. They have to stay on track. And when you get to the end, when you get to the end of the book, you see that they both end up at the same destination. A new heaven and a new earth. But the eternal purpose of God is writing in parallel. And if you don't understand it, then all of Bible prophecy gets confused. And then you just have to start making stuff up. I'm serious. Then I watch it. Secondly, the church in the now is what we want to look at. The church is God's kingdom in the earth. If the church goes out, the kingdom goes out. You are God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is his people. Think about it. It's not of this world. Jesus standing before Pilate, he says, my kingdom. This is what Jesus said. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers, my people would fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And I'm bringing people into the kingdom of heaven. And there will be a day when there will be the culmination of all things and the kingdom of heaven will come to earth. Are you with me? But that's in the culmination of all things. So think about this. God's kingdom is a place. 
where he, God, manifests himself. His rules are in kingdom directives. How does he do it? He, he, he operates by his word. He's told us how the kingdom works. But Adam and Eve rebelled against his rules and ran and hid from the presence of God. Because anytime I try to do God my way, it always leaves me naked. Amen. It always creates problems. So we have to ask ourselves, are we rebelling against God's directive for life in the Spirit? Are we hiding under the covering of religion from His voice as they were? Have we accepted religious coverings in place of His presence and voice in our life? You know, there's a lot of religion out there that has nothing to do with relationship with God. Amen. And we have to learn to press into that. Exodus 19 through 20 is where God begins speaking to his people. He brings them out of Egypt, and he begins revealing himself to them. God told the people he's coming down to talk to the people. When he did, when he came down and he spoke, the people ran and hid from his voice. Here's one thing, the presence of God. Let, let, let me just share with you right now. You know why people don't like the presence of God? It makes you uncomfortable. You can't be in the presence of a holy God and be comfortable in your sin. You can't be in the presence of a holy God and be comfortable in your compromise. You can't be in the presence of a holy God and be comfortable with your excuses of why. Because the presence of God reveals me to me. And when I become aware of myself, I end up like Adam. I'm over here covering up, hiding, and making excuses. Amen. Usually blaming somebody else, just like he did. Amen. We talked about this Monday night in Bible study. Isn't it interesting, men, that God didn't blame Eve? When God walked through the cool of the day, he said, hey, Adam, where are you? And so, men, this is the place, the other thing that, that, that has happened. The devil has caused men, when we become men of the Spirit, we become hungry. We get back to that right place, and we reestablish the home as it should be, and we become the covering that our families need us to be. Amen. Because God holds us accountable as men. There's an accountability before God for being men. Hallelujah. So think about this. Exodus 19, the people said, hey, you go talk to God and then come tell us what he said. That's exactly what's happened today. The church has become content to have a pastor who will seek God all week on their behalf and then show up and give them a word from the Lord and then go back and live their life, do whatever they want, come every week, get a little word from the Lord, from God, from the man of God. When they could have been in his presence themselves. What the church, what happens is, is when the whole body of Christ comes together and every believer is seeking God, every believer knows that they have a right to go up the mountain, every believer understands that the veil has been rent into, and every believer has access into the throne room of God, every believer has right to be in the presence of God, every believer has a right to a face-to-face -face relationship with God, every believer has a right to have the word of the Lord in their life. But we're doing the same today. See, the church was never just for the pastor. You pray, you study, you hear, you bring us God's word. The church was never meant to just have one voice. I put it, it was to have one voice, but it was to be one voice of one collective body coming together. So that when God speaks, that, that when it is, and, and when the gifts are operating in our church years ago, and we have tongues and interpretation prophecy from time to time in our service, but it shouldn't be time to time. It should be the normal every week. How is it every time you come together, how is it when you assemble, when you come together, that God manifests himself in your midst through the gifts of the Spirit? Are you doing all right? And so, but we become uncomfortable and we get worried about, it. I remember growing up in New Life, New Life was kind of crazy. Brother Hood, when he got this revelation, this is what he did. That's back when Sunday school started at, at you know, you had Sunday school at 9 to 10 and then from 11 to 12 you had church. Anybody remember those days? So Brother Hood would teach from 9 to 10. He'd teach his message and his lesson from 9 to 10. And then he said, from 11 to 12, this is what we're going to do. The minstrels are going to pray and we're going to wait on God. And if he doesn't show up, we're going home. And so that meant we're waiting for the gifts to manifest. We're going to play. The mentor's going to play. And then it's going to release the anointing and tongues, interpretation, prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom are going to flow. And that's going to be what we're going to do in that hour. 
Whatever God reveals, that's what we're going to do. And, and that's what the altar call is going to be and everything else. And, that, and so then people start freaking out. Well, I want to invite my friends. Well, what's going to happen to sister so-and-so? So we, we had some lady that, that would make you stand up and freak out. I mean, they begin to prophesy, and it wasn't, oh, my little chickadee. It was really good words. Amen. I remember we were pastoring in, in Bernie. We went there and starting out, and all these, all these prophetic words were all these, I love you, lovey, lovey, And I go, I'm just curious. Do God always give I said, I've never had one of those words from the Lord. Amen. But, just, but instead, but it, would, it would bring such conviction, such power. And we go, oh, we, we, people invite their friends. Oh, God, don't do anything crazy. How many been that service where you didn't want God to do anything crazy? Because you brought your friend. Then what did God do? God went crazy on you. And then the people you brought didn't freak out. They go, that is awesome. That was God. Because when it's real, you know it's God. When it's real, you know it's God. If it's just people wanting to express themselves and act like they're somebody, you know that's too. You know when it's man, and you know when it's God. Are you doing all right? But what happens in when the gifts are in operation, when it comes for the teaching of the word, there's usually confirmation. The Holy Spirit, you don't have to talk. You go, man, that word and that word and that word, that happened. And, and then pastor brought the message and that thing, and it all just tied together, and it brings complete confirmation. Are you doing, so there's a collective voice, not just one voice. Are you doing all right? So think about this. Let me give you a couple more minutes. See, the Lord said to Moses, go tell the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready on the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down. What did Jesus rise on the third day? Amen. That's a whole other message. And he brings it down. But all the people saw it. And that's when they said, Moses, you go and speak to God. But I like the end of verse 20, chapter 20 there, verse 18 through 21 in your outline says this. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. This is my prayer for you as we begin this series, that you would have a hunger to draw near to the thick darkness where God is, that you would want, as a believer, to press into his presence, to know God, to God, I want to know you. God, I, I, I've heard all this stuff. Just to lay everything aside and just begin to seek God. There's, no, there, there's been no more confusion in the body of Christ than teaching over the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. People don't know the difference between the gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fivefold ministry, between the, the gifts of the Father in Romans chapter 12 and the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter. They lump them all together as one, and it just breeds confusion. But we're going to break it all down. But we're going to start and beginning breaking down, and I'm going to introduce you to the Holy Spirit as a person. Next week, we're going to begin and start pressing into introducing you to the person of the Holy Spirit. His names, his work, his ministry, his attributes, everything about him. He is God with you today. Every Christian needs to know how to have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Michael, can you come back? In your outline there, it gives you a breakdown of the change that has to take place. There has to be a change in your life and my life. A change inside of a man that we are born again. Then we receive a new spiritual nature. And that is to be joined with other members creating the kingdom of God. The body is one but has many members. Thirdly, that body is called the body of Christ. Then this new nature is changed and equipped for kingdom purpose. God wants to equip you for kingdom purpose. You are saved on purpose for kingdom purpose. God has purpose connected to your life. Then the body is made workable. The human body, look at this last point here, point number E. The human body has three basic functions. To think, to communicate, to do. The body of Christ has three basic functions. To worship, to teach, and to evangelize. That's what we're called to do. The members of the body are given set places by the Holy Spirit. They must be equipped and made workable. The ears must be made to hear. The eyes must be made to see. The arms are made mighty to do, all by spiritual gifts. The church without spiritual gifts is like eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, and eyes that don't see. The final step comes that Christ enters into His body by His Spirit. He begins to make it operate, declaring it as its head, declaring it as it as its head. 
He plays upon the spiritual gifts and ministries like a minstrel upon a keyboard. God orchestrates and he places this Holy Spirit in his church. And like a great orchestra leader, when God is allowed to have his way in the church and the church comes alive with the Spirit, then it, it's like a conductor leading the orchestra and everything is in tune and you have a great symphony that God plays in his church. Amen? But it happens, friends. It doesn't happen with one man. I, can, I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love to prophesy. Over the years, Sean and I were talking about it last night. And we've had great friends over the years in that, in ministers that come in. And from time to time as a pastor, when you live with people, I've always been careful not to operate too strongly in the prophetic and in speaking into people's lives. Because you don't want people to think you're operating out of what you know about them. So many times when I go and travel and I'm in other places and in other settings, then the prophetic gift flows in a lot greater measure in my life. Because when, when you're talking to people, when, when somebody comes to you you've never met, and they begin to reveal secret things in your life, when God begins to show them things about you, because God wants you to know that He knows about you, He cares about you, and He's on your side, that is so powerful. So over the years, we've had friends, those that have been with us for a long time. We've had so many meetings with great friends that have come in and just that flow. When Sister Portia comes here and she ministers, it's so powerful. And other ones that come because here's somebody who doesn't know anything about you. And all of a sudden, you just start reading your mail. And God's revealing his care to you. But see what happens. That's not supposed to just be people coming in from the outside. We should have things like, happen like that every service. But that happens because people, how, 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 do, how do people get used like that by God? They want to be used. They hunger. They desire to be used. Paul said this, desire spiritual gifts. Seek that you may prophesy. Listen to what he says about prophecy. He says, seek that you may prophesy. Because when you prophesy, you bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body. Stand with me this morning. How many remember what happened to the ministry of Jesus when he began to manifest the power of God? It grew to such an extent that there was no room wherever he was. If he was in the house, the house was filled. I mean, remember the, 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 the account of the, of the lame man. And he's got three, four friends who are taking him, trying to get him to Jesus. They get him, trying to get him an audience before Jesus to be healed. But they can't get in there because there's no room. So the only way for them to get to where Jesus was was to rip the roof off and let the friend down through there. Fortunately, on our new church, we have a metal building, and it's really tall. <laughs> but when the church starts manifesting the life and the power of Jesus, that's the greatest tool of evangelism. The world is looking for the real deal, not the phony. And when people start desiring to be used by God, when we get over our fear and all the stupid stuff, let me just put you like, I'm sorry for all the stupid. I really am. I'm so sorry that people get stupid and they use the Holy Spirit for self-promotion to do weird, wacky stuff. But I refuse to throw away the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, because somebody doesn't understand it, because somebody thinks something about it, or because somebody's been something weird with it. There's enough stupid out there to go around for everybody. But I'm not going to give up the Holy Spirit because of what's going on out there. And if you've experienced bad or stupid or crazy, stick around. You'll probably experience some more. <laughs> Amen. Because you know what this is? This is how you grow. This is how you learn. Amen. And the great thing about God is you press into God. Don't be, we get so afraid. We get so self-conscious. God, what if, it, what if I mess up? What if, it, if you just keep that heart right, God will teach you His voice. You're called to be a people of His voice. And when you learn the voice of God, your life will never be the same. 
I'll close with this account. And I've shared it several times. I got saved. I'd made such a mess out of my life. And I just was amazed that God had saved me. And from that moment on, I just wanted to be used by God. Whatever it was, I just, I just wanted it all. If I could have it, I wanted it. Because that's how I, before I got saved, whatever, everybody, I, I wanted to be a part of all of it. That's how I got, became a drug addict. That's how I did everything. People said, try this. Okay, I'll try that. Let's stick a needle in my arm. Shoot that up. Whatever. So I, I, I was crazy going to hell. I thought, if I'm going to be crazy going to hell, why not be crazy going to heaven? And so I just wanted to be used by God. So I started saying, God, I want to prophesy. I want to be used by you. God, I just started seeking and desiring spiritual gifts. And then brotherhood, God put it on his heart that we would have ministering elders in the church. That, and, and, he, and he called out 10 of us young men. He said, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to pray for services and then come and be ready to pray for people at the altar. So I, I need young men who will come spiritually prepared and pray to be used. And they said, this is what you're going to do back then. We had a choir thing back there, and they had the monster. We didn't have the, the choir anymore. We needed the choir. We just had Steve and the minstrels in the band. But so we had to sit in the behind the monastery, and I sit right behind Pastor. And I'd given a couple messages in time, but I never prophesied. God, I want to prophesy. So the first Sunday, I'm sitting right behind Brother Hood, and I'm sitting there, and the Spirit of God starts giving me this word, and I'm going, Oh God, is this you? Oh God, is that? Oh God, is that you? And, and so then I'm kneeling down, and I'm praying, and, and I, I, I'm having this whole debate with God, and then Sister Strickland goes, la, 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 and I go, I got that. That's exactly what I had. And God said, Well, I got tired of waiting for you. So the next week, I do the same thing again. I'm seeking God. And, then, and, and so, and the same thing happens again. God, I don't want to miss God. I want this to be a me. I don't want to do this, God. Three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row. And then after the third week, I said, that's it. I know your voice. I'll never hesitate again. And so you'll go through a season where it's natural to work up because we want to be right before God. But there has to come a place where we say, okay, God, I know your voice. And, and I'm, I'm going to be like Peter because look what Peter said. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. God is always bidding you come to where he is. And so when it comes to this life in the spirit, God said, hey, come on out here. You can walk with me in life in the spirit. Amen? Anybody ready for that? Come on, I'm going to ask Michael to lead us just in worship. This is our altar call today. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. If you're hungry for God. And renew a right spirit within me. Maybe you would just move to this altar and say, God. Create in me a clean heart. Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit with you. Oh, God. God, I want to know your voice. Have a new right spirit within me. Lord, I want your gifts, your ministries to flow through my life. And cast me not away from thy presence. I want to know that I have something to give away. Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Nobody can pray this for you. Nobody can pray this for you. You have to press into this life yourself. I'm a new right spirit Creating me a clean heart, oh God. I'm a new right spirit within me. Creating me a clean heart, oh God.